Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Would you pray with me as we get started? Jesus, um, man, I'm just so, so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that you came to rescue us. Jesus, I'm thankful that even when we didn't care about you at all, when we were so wrapped up in our own stuff, that you hunted us down, you chased us down with your kindness, with your correction. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence with us right now. We ask that you would transform us through your word and by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, good morning, everybody. So my name is Daniel. I have the joy and privilege of being one of the pastors here. And... Um, And today, so we're going through Luke's gospel, and it just so happens that today we're on Luke chapter 2, which is the Christmas story, so Merry Christmas. You weren't (laughs) expecting it, but it is Christmas today, so go home. There are gifts under the tree. Um, No, I, uh, it's one of those things, I was just talking to Dora before the service, Dora leads our intern ministry, she's like, how are you feeling about the, the sermon today? And I was like, well, good. But this is also the passage of scripture that it's like everybody, even if you never go to church, you've still probably heard 15 sermons about this passage of scripture because that's just how much we hear about it every year, every single Christmas. And I'm excited this morning that we get to look at this kind of not during Christmas season a little bit. Um, And what my prayer is, is that this morning it'll maybe shed a little bit of new light on it for us. And uh, the beauty of God's word is you can come back to the same thing over and over and over again, and the Holy Spirit will do something fresh in our hearts. I love that. I love that about Jesus. All right, so um, I want you to think about the best gift you ever received. Just think about that. So maybe it was a birthday, maybe it was Christmas, maybe it was totally unexpected. Think about that. What sticks out in your mind is the best gift you've ever received? My, the, the one, I've, I've received tons of incredible gifts throughout my whole life. But the one that always sticks out in my mind is I was about eight years old. And I was, I was actually hanging out at uh, Pastor Joe's house. His son, Seth, is just a couple years older than me. So him and I were playing. And Seth had this super cool Fisher-Price plastic castle thing. And they're like these little knights. It was like so the coolest thing, the most fun I'd ever had in my life up to that point. And so I told my parents about it. This was, this probably was in the summer, okay? So I told my parents about it. And the awesome thing about my parents, me and my siblings, we always opened gifts on Christmas Eve as a family. And that was the one we all looked forward to the best because mom and dad always got the best gifts because probably just because they knew us the best. So I had told them about that probably six months previous. And I, all of a sudden I open up my gift and sure enough, it's that Fisher Price castle. And I freaked out like I was running around the house freaking out because I was so excited about this thing. And I played with that like all the time. It wasn't like a disappointing gift. It was, it lived up to the hype and probably exceeded it. It was so awesome. And still to this day, my parents still have it at their house. And if it's out, I'll probably play with it because it's that fun. Okay. Um, And I want, so 
that was, I think the, the main reason why that stuck out to me the most is because of, I don't think I've ever had another gift in my life that was that anticipated. That was the one that I had looked forward to the longest. And when you're eight years old, six months is a long time. So that was probably my most anticipated and then like most amazing gift that I have received up to this point in my life. You know, that, that kind of gift. And um, so I want us just for a second, just to think about before Christmas happens, the anticipation that was building before Jesus came. From the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter three, right? God has created the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like it's, it's everything that we dreamed that the world would be. And he puts man there, Adam and Eve, humankind, to rule and reign under his authority on the earth, to operate and to make things run as if God himself was doing it, and he was through humans. But what Adam and Eve decided to do was allow sin to come in. They used their authority wrongly and allowed sin to enter into the world, which is why we experience everything that we don't like right now today. And from that very moment, there was a promise that one would come, someone would be born who would crush the head of the serpent who initially deceived us. And that he would make everything new again. That he would make it right. And then all throughout the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament is just a giant sign. It's like a huge arrow in flashing lights pointing to Jesus. Prophecy after prophecy, like really specific things about the timing and about what the Messiah would be like and the stuff that he would do, all of these things. These are all building up throughout the entire Old Testament, not to mention all of the circumstances that were happening where it's like, man, this is not working. The, the, the nation of Israel, they were like, man, we cannot do this. We can't follow God's law for any span of time. We always go off the rails. We always get in big trouble. We make it worse for ourselves and everybody around us. We can't do this. We need somebody to come and do this for us, to bring the kind of salvation that only God can bring. And that's the kind of anticipation for thousands of years that has been building up. And everyone in the Jewish nation would talk about this. We talk about when the Messiah would come. Much like today, we talk about Jesus coming back, right? And making all things right. They were so filled with anticipation for the Messiah to come. And also like us, you know, they would think of, I'm sure there were people who were thinking about it all the time. There's also some people who were probably like, oh yeah, that would be cool. But either way, thousands of years, this anticipation has been building. And the whole time God has been sending reminders of, I'm gonna send one who will save and this is where we find ourselves, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Just like that. One verse. All of human history shifts on its axis in one moment. Sometimes 
the, something about reading the Bible that's helpful is just slowing down as you read because you could read that verse real quick, right? And we have <laughs> every Christmas. But right there, what just happened is one of the craziest, th- is probably the craziest thing I have ever heard in my life. There are a lot of things about God that I don't understand because he's God and that's how it should be, right? If you can understand everything about your God, you need a bigger God. I, there's a lot of things that I don't understand about God. I, I'm, tr- I'm working on understanding the Trinity a little bit better, being able to explain that and, 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 and kind of wrap my head around that. I know I'm never gonna get there, but I just wanna, you know, as a pastor, it's like, I should probably get this down. I should be accurate about it. And so, you know, we work on that. We try to learn about that. But the thing that I think is even more mysterious to me is to put it the way that Max Lucado writes, how did all of God fit into an infant? How is that even possible? First of all, you know, we, and we, we talk a lot about the cross, and we should. The cross is a really big deal. I think the, the biggest descent that, that we, you know, we talk about how the cross was like Jesus going to the lowest place. I agree with that. But I think the biggest step that Jesus took was his first step from heaven to earth as an infant. Can you imagine that? I can't. I can't imagine being God, always existent. Like I can, you know, Jesus can speak and that's how we see, you know, that's how everything that we see came to be. Just because he like, he wanted to. Just because he spoke and it, and it was like there. And now all of a sudden, he's wrapped up in human form. I don't know how that works. I just know it's true because the Bible says it. But totally God, totally man, I don't know. I don't know how that works. It's something only God could do. That's all I know. And it's something that only God would be creative enough to come up with. Nobody would make that up. It's too out there. It's too wild. It's too wacky. It's too beyond comprehension. But that's how I know that God did it. That's the kind of God that we follow, is a God who can do something like that. So this is the hinge moment of all of human history. The Messiah has arrived. And so I just want us to like sit in that for a second. Because from where we sit in 2020, you know, looking back, we have this clear picture through the scriptures of Jesus. That is incredible. That is an incredible gift. The way that Hebrews talks about it is like for all this time, God was revealing himself through the prophets, through the scriptures. But now in this last time, he has spoken once and for all through his son. That Jesus was the definitive word about who God is, what he's like, what he cares about, how he feels about you and me. And Jesus coming to earth, that is just incredible. I mean, him stepping from heaven to earth, he already had made the decision he was going to go to the cross. And he submitted all the way through the rest of his life for you and for me. 
If I was God, I would just stay out of it. I either would just wipe the slate clean or I just would have like been like, whatever, you guys, just do whatever you want to do. I don't want to get into that mess. That's the opposite of what our God did. Stepped right into the middle of it. Not big, not flashy, one verse. So let's continue. And I want us just to think about this question today is that what happens when we encounter all of God in a baby? We're just going to look at three different kind of characters today and just ask that question. What happens when we encounter all of God in a baby? So let's keep going. Um, so we're, uh, let's jump into verse 8. It says, In that same region, in Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. All right, so what I want you to hear there is they needed new underwear, okay? <laughs> and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And we jump forward to verse 20. They saw it, they met Jesus, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. One of my favorite things about the character of the shepherds in the Christmas story is that pretty much everybody else, as far as I can recall, it is everybody else who um, got to meet Jesus kind of from outside of his family were people who were actively looking for the Messiah. So we think about, you know, the wise men or the magi. These are guys who had been studying this, studying the stars. They kind of noticed whatever cosmic shift had taken place in the stars and followed that all the way to meet Jesus. They were looking for it. They were searching for it. It was like something that they were doing. And same thing with a lot of the other people who got to meet Jesus. And we'll see that too. Like a couple of the other characters, they're people that are actively anticipating Jesus coming. That's what I love about the shepherds is the surprise. They were just working, right? And again, you got to think like this was the middle of the night. So they're just like, probably ha like some of them are asleep. There's just like one guy who's taking his turn being awake and they're just grinding, right? It's like just the, just everyday stuff. I'm just hanging out, making sure my sheep don't get killed or stolen or wander off or whatever. I'm just sitting here in the field. And all of a sudden, boom, it's bright as day. And they're terrified. And I think that is so funny because to me, what this kind of expresses a little bit is this is, you know, as a parent, I love showing people pictures of my kids. I think my kids are the coolest. Everybody else, I mean, if you feel like how I feel uh, about seeing pictures of other people's kids, it's awesome. It's nice. It's like, oh yeah, that's super cute. When I look at a picture of my own kids though, it's like, oh my goodness, you know? And then you look at a picture of my kids and you're like, yeah, whatever. But <clears throat> For me, it's like, I'm super excited. I'm super excited about just the, the little things. Like my son is almost four months old. So he's like, you know, starting to do this stuff. He can like grab a toy that's, a, that's hanging above him. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. 
And I just can imagine how excited God the Father was to announce the birth of his son. And he's like, you know, he could have done it anyway to anybody. And there's a lot of symbolism with him choosing shepherds. But the funniest thing to me is that he's like, you know what? I'm going to send, well, I'm going to send one angel just to freak him out. And then when they're kind of a little bit less freaked out and they're listening to him, then I'm going to send a bunch of angels to like freak him out again. I just think that's really funny. Uh, no point about that other than I think God was really excited about Jesus coming and really excited to tell people because this is what he had been talking about. He's like, you guys are confused by all the prophets and all the stuff. This is what I'm talking about. This is what they've all been saying the whole time. And now it's so funny because all of a sudden, right, they weren't, they weren't like, oh, what should we do tonight? Oh, let's go see the Messiah. They were just hanging out. And all of a sudden, the sheep, which were the main concern, are now an afterthought. So that's the first, first thing I want us to notice is that when we encounter Jesus, our priorities change. Something shifts when we truly see Jesus for who he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That he's the only one that could ever save us from our condition as enemies of God. He's the only one that could do it. That when we realize that that's who Jesus is, when we see that, every other thing in our life kind of gets rearranged, gets put into its place. Everything else becomes a distant second place to who Jesus is, to knowing him, to seeking him out, to finding him, to experiencing this God-man. So it's a good question for us, us to ask this morning is just, where are my priorities at in my life? What are the ways that, just the areas of my life where I'm just kind of grinding it out. It's just the daily grind. I'm just kind of doing my thing day after day after day. What would it look like for God to snap you out of that? To surprise you in that moment? Maybe that's what some of us need this morning. And I believe that he might do that for us with his Holy Spirit. Let's continue. Verses 22 through 32. So we come to another character here um, that we're going to meet. Verse 22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, turtle doves or two young pigeons. For just, just pause real quick. That verse right there just shows that Jesus was not a part of a wealthy family. That was the Levitical law just to say, hey, if you can't afford the full thing, like a sheep, a, a lamb, you can do these, the bird option. So just, I just want to point that out. This is the kind of family that Jesus chose to be born into not affluent. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, 
waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So this is a guy, Simeon, who was experiencing close relationship with God. He was expectantly awaiting what God had told him he was going to do. And somehow, however he heard this, God had told him, hey, you are not going to die until you actually see face to face my promise come to be. So he's been waiting for this his whole life. And... Um, I, I, I find it so interesting because, again, you don't, we have to kind of fill in the gaps with a lot of these people in the Bible, a lot of these supporting characters. And, uh, and so I just wonder what his life was like. I wonder what he was doing that day. Maybe he had other plans. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, go to the temple today. It's like, well, God, you know, the plumbing is clogged or I need, you know, I was going to do this thing with my kids or whatever, you know, whatever. He might, maybe he had other plans, but the Holy Spirit's like, no, today. So he goes and somehow just, he sees Jesus and just knows who it is. Again, I just, it's, it's so funny to me how God works and how it's just like, it's like God is totally okay with being anonymous in a certain sense. You know, again, just you look at the way that Jesus was born, the family he was born into, didn't need all this lights and flash and all this stuff. But God just, the people that he loves, the people he's close to, he just wants them to know what he's doing. He wants people to experience what he's about. And he's so excited about introducing Simeon to his boy. I think that is so cool. So Simeon goes to the temple and he just, he sees Jesus with his own eyes. And his response is, I have peace. And I think that's what happens to us when we encounter Jesus, is that we find peace. We find peace. It's really what all of us are looking for. It's kind of funny because I think our culture, um, the, the way that our culture says it a lot more is like, I just want to be happy. I think what people are really saying is they just want peace. They don't want to feel so conflicted about their life and what's coming next. And boy, is our culture anxious, like crazy. And you know, the only answer to that anxiousness in our soul about our future and what's going to happen, the only solid answer is Jesus. When we see Jesus for who he is, we find real peace. Peace that surpasses understanding is the way that the Bible talks about it. It's that, which means that I don't, even, I don't even have to understand how peace works to experience it. 
I could be in the middle of the worst day of my life and still feel okay. I could be sad. I could be torn up. I could be completely, you know, grief-stricken over what's happening in my life and still have the peace of God. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible because what Jesus does for us, the reason that we have peace through Jesus is because Jesus gives us peace with God. That is how we get peace in Jesus. Because we don't need peace from our circumstances, you guys. We don't need our lives to be good. What we truly need is peace with God. It's what we were made for. Relationship with God. We don't need our life to be better. We don't need our life to go back to normal. We need peace with God. And we have that through Jesus Christ. We have all we need, so we have peace. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I love what what Sammy shared at the beginning of service, that God is faithful to all generations. I'm honestly, I'm not that worried about my life. I do get worried when I think about my kids, though. And I think many of you can relate to that. And so this morning when Sammy shared that, I was like, man, God, thank you that you are faithful to all generations, which Means me, yeah, totally me. But also, I'm thinking more about my kids. He's faithful to them. I don't know what their world is going to look like. My parents didn't know what my world was going to look like. My great, 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 great grandparents didn't know what my world was going to look like. And I'm standing here today saying, God is so faithful. And I'm doing great. I'm doing amazing. I have peace with God. And I know my kids are going to be able to stand and say the same thing. Because God is faithful to all generations. And we find peace through Jesus Christ. We can be so thankful for that this morning. Let's wrap up verses 36 to 38. Here's our third and final character we're looking at. And there's a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. There's an idea if you ever want a name for your kids. Phanuel. Well, maybe not. They probably call him Fanny for short. Um, anyway, she's of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So this is a woman who's experienced some significant heartbreak. All right, so from what we see, she was married for only seven years and now has been a widow up to this point in history when she's 84 years old. That's a long time. You can't imagine, I can't imagine how many nights of loneliness all of the big questions. But apparently, so, you know, when when tough things in life happen, we can get bitter or we can draw close to God and realize that, you know what, God, you are all that I have. And we see that that's kind of been Anna's response. Her way of responding to this tragedy in her life is like, you know what? I'm alone except for God. I'm going to spend every day with him. So she would go to the temple, praying, fasting, worshiping. 
And again, I just, I wonder how many, how many tearful conversations she had with God saying, God, I don't know why this is my life, but I want more of you. And then, so coming from that very hour, she meets Jesus in the temple. From that very moment, there's a shift that happens. So again, you got, I'm kind of drawing some conclusions here. I'm just imagining. I'm trying to put myself in her shoes. But I would imagine that there's something, there's probably something, although she's leaning into God, there's still a part of her that feels like broken. And I would guess for the last 50, 60, whatever years of her life since she's become a widow, there has been this place of brokenness inside of her. And yes, she wants more of God. She wants to experience, you know, she wants relationship with him. She's hearing from him. She's worshiping him. But I wonder if part of that was her trying to figure out and, and, and experience some healing from the brokenness that she was experiencing. And I sort of wonder, and again, I'm drawing like all these conclusions. So don't, this is just, I'm just guessing. But I wonder if in an unhealthy way, she's, ran to God and away from other relationships. I just wonder. Maybe not. I wonder. Now, what happens though when she meets Jesus is there's a shift that takes place. All of a sudden, you see her who was primarily, it talks about her interacting with God, prayer, fasting, worship. It doesn't say that that stuff stops, but something else starts. She begins to tell everyone who will listen that Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. Something changes. She gets a new sense of purpose in her life, it seems. And I think that's exactly what happens to us when we encounter Jesus. We start to tell other people. Nobody has to, like, if, if you're excited about something, no one has to tell you to share it with somebody else, right? And here's the thing that I love about, how does the Bible say it? People who are advanced in years. Amen. This, is, this is what I love about people who are advanced in years, is often they've learned to not care so much about what other people think about them. I love that. And it's one of those things where it's like you're hanging out with your grandparents, and you're like, Grandma, you know? And, but I just imagine, I mean, telling people about Jesus, sharing your heart, sharing what God's doing in your life, even if you have the gift of evangelism, it's still always uncomfortable. I just want everybody to know that. You don't automatic, there's never this thing that switches where it's just like, oh, now it's, I never get uncomfortable when I tell somebody about Jesus. It's always uncomfortable. Why? Because it makes us rely on the comforter, the Holy Spirit. But we, we do see in, in this thing, and I, I, I think that this is the reality with Anna. She did not care what anybody thought. She didn't care if people were like, oh, here comes that crazy lady talking about the Messiah again. She doesn't care. This is what her life is about now. She has seen God's salvation and everyone needs to know. That's what happens. That's what happens. So I want us to think about this. Think about those three characters and just think about how does your life intersect their experience of Jesus? So with the shepherds, right? Maybe where you're at right now is you've got some priorities in your life that maybe are a little out of whack. And maybe 
to be, if you're super honest, you're not really engaged with God. You're not really, there's not a whole lot. You're just kind of grinding out your life day by day. Maybe, maybe there's a Sunday thing going on, but the rest of your week, it's just kind of like, yeah, I believe that God exists, but there's no real relationship there. Maybe this morning you need God to surprise you. You need God to wake you up. You need to be, maybe have that great fear kind of moment where God's like, hey, don't be afraid. I've sent my son for you. Maybe that's what you need this morning. For some of us, maybe we relate with Simeon and, uh, you know, because we're walking with God. We love God. But maybe you just need some encouragement today. You need some peace today. Maybe you just need to re-engage with the fact that, man, all that I need is found in Jesus. Or maybe you relate with Anna. You, your circumstances in life, you've kind of been through the school of hard knocks a little bit. And whatever's happened, you've kind of learned through life that Jesus is all that I have. And I would just encourage you, it's time to pour out. It's time to pour that out into people around you. And I would just encourage you, man, uh, that last song that we sang, there's uh, that bridge, right? I am blessed, I'm called, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm saved in Jesus' name, right? Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. Those are things that we could sing in any season of life. Those are all always true about every person who follows Jesus. It's an amazing thing that we could sing stuff like that. And so I would just encourage you, those things are true of you, and it's time to pour that out. It's time to believe, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time to believe that about yourself. You've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to people around you, to share about the life of Jesus. As we wrap up today, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And uh, I just encourage you, we're just going to take a, take a moment here before we jump into worship. I want to take, give us an opportunity to just interact with God for a little bit. Just say, God, what is it in my life? What do you want to do? How do you want to bring me to encounter Jesus in a new way this morning? Are there things in my life that are out of whack? Are there priorities in my life that are out of whack? Have I been looking for peace in other places and I just need to come back to the source? God, are there, are there people in my life that I just need to start pouring out to? God, has my life been about other things? When people think about me, do they think about somebody who is all about Jesus or do they think about, you know, whatever else agenda I've been about? Let's just spend some time. We'll just ask God to show us that in a, in a short time of prayer here. So God, we just, we just want to, uh, we want to hear from you. We thank you for your incredible love for us. We ask that you, would, um, that you would teach us, that you would direct us more than anything, God. We want to see Jesus. We want to know Jesus. Not in the way that we would make him out to be, but the true, real Jesus. Father, over these next few short moments of silence, we just ask that you would just bring to mind if there's anything that you want to say to us, if there's any way you want to redirect us, would you just bring that to mind here in these next couple moments?
Father, we just take again in, in a moment of clarity this morning after interacting with your word and doing that together, we just take another moment, this, this opportunity to say, Jesus, you are all that we need. You are all that we need. And we rest in that and we worship you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.